Father, we thank you. You are the God who knows us and loves us. And God, we know that you have a wonderful path for us to take. And I pray that we would take that path in full faith, trusting in you to guide us in the right way. So help us now to learn from you as we look at these words of Jesus. We pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're continuing on in our sermon series here where we're looking at Matthew chapters 1 through 7. I hope you're enjoying them as well as I also hope that you're reading them on your own at home. So we're, we're smack dab in the middle of a Sermon on the Mount now, Matthew chapter 6. And in today's passage, Jesus covers three topics. Uh, giving, prayer, and fasting. Now these, each of these things are three things are what we might call a spiritual discipline. A spiritual discipline is something that we do to help us grow in our faith. Our our faith is not just about sitting on a couch and saying, yeah, sure, I believe in God. Sometimes it's actually about doing things. So each of these three things that we're going to be talking about today are things that we can do as part of our relationship with God to honor him and to continue to walk with him. Giving and praying and fasting are things that we can do. But there's a temptation in doing spiritual disciplines. And the temptation would be to do these things not only for God to see, but also for other people to see. So that we kind of start to look like some spiritual all-star. Look how how I've got my act together here. All these things that I'm doing for the Lord. Or for myself. Uh, In our passage today, Jesus shows us how to do the right things with the right heart attitude. So he does have some negative things to say. About one-third of our passage today is bad examples of how not to do it, but then about two-thirds of the passage is Jesus teaching us how we should be doing these things, these spiritual disciplines, with the right heart attitude. And again, our our passage today has three parts. Um, And it's amazing to me how similar all three of these parts are. When I first looked at this sermon series, I thought that maybe I would preach a sermon on each of these three different topics, spread it out over three weeks. But I decided against that because I realized how similar his teaching was in all three of these passages. So we're going to look at them together today. And I just want to show you before I dive into each individual one, some of the similarities. So in all three parts of this passage, Jesus talks about what is seen and what is unseen. In all three parts, Jesus talks about reward. In all three parts, Jesus tells us not to be like the hypocrites. Now the word hypocrite literally means actor. So a hypocrite is somebody who plays the part of a spiritual person but really has selfish motives for doing what they do. And Jesus tells us we are not to be like that. In all three parts, we're told not to do these spiritual disciplines to be seen by men. Now this one is hard because it's our human nature to want to be congratulated for doing things well. So I thought about an analogy on this one. I want you to picture, say you're going golfing with one of your friends, uh, just the two of you. And uh, somewhere around hole number 10, your friend gets a phone call. And it's, uh, say it's his mother-in-law. And his mother-in-law needs him to come and pick him up right away. And uh, it's not an emergency. So he says, oh, you, you don't have to come with me, but I need to get going. And he said, you should just finish off the, the rest of this back nine yourself. Just go ahead and you know, enjoy the rest of the day. And you think, okay, I've already paid for this. I'm going to do that. And let's say that the next par three that rolls around you tee it off and it, it's looking pretty good. Like, whoa, that might actually land on the green for a chance, for a change. And then it takes a couple bounces and rolls, and it rolls in the cup. You just hit a hole in one, and nobody was there to see it. <laughs> now, 
if you hit a hole in one and there are people that are there to see it, you can call the Daily Journal and say, hey, I hit a hole in one and here are the three witnesses. If you ask them, they will tell you that I actually hit a hole in one. But if nobody was there to see it, how does that make you feel? Are you, are you happy? Are you thrilled that you hit a hole in one? Or are you kind of frustrated? Oh, nobody's going to believe me. <laughs> see, it's our human nature to want to be congratulated for the things that we do well. Also, in all three parts of our passage today, Jesus uses the same exact phrase of those who do what they do to be seen by men. He says, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. As if to say that their only reward is being seen by men. In all three parts, Jesus also tells us that we'll be rewarded, saying, your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. In all three parts of our passage, Jesus assumes that we will do all three of these things. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And again, these spiritual disciplines are important in our lives, and Jesus kind of assumes that we will be doing them. But as with any spiritual discipline, the important part is what's going on in our heart. It's not so much the outward action, it's what's going on in our heart, because that's where we honor God. That's why we sing that song, The Heart of Worship. It's all about God and how we can honor him. So one heart issue that Jesus emphasizes in these passages is that we are to do what we do, not to be seen by men, but to give honor and glory to God. So I have a question for you. When you do spiritual things, are you trying to impress man or honor God? That's just the question I think that we all need to chew on today. And I'm not going to point my finger at anybody except me today. I'm just going to ask the question and... uh, Which audience matters most to you? Now, here's the good news. What we'll see in this passage is that if we do these things with the right heart, there are rewards. We can actually honor God by faith, and I think in doing so, we can be strengthened in our faith. So I think that's one of the really cool messages about this, is that we we can grow. We can honor God, and he will strengthen us as we honor him in secret. Secret is kind of a key word in our passage today. That's why we sang the song, In the Secret. It says in the passage today that God is in the secret. So when we honor him in the secret, he's there with us. And that's where I think a lot of the real growth in our Christian faith comes from. It's when we honor God in the secret, when no one else is watching. When when you don't even have any intention of ever telling anybody what you've done there, just to meet with God. Okay, so today's passage has to do with doing the right things for the right reason, even if no one but God sees it. And again, we're talking about these three spiritual disciplines. Now, there are other spiritual disciplines, things like reading your Bible, or sharing your faith, or serving. Those those are also good spiritual disciplines that we should be doing. But today we're just going to talk about the three that Jesus mentioned. And since there's three of them, I'm going to break it into three parts. So the first one is giving. And that's in verses 1 through 4. So I'm going to read Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, where Jesus says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
Now this is interesting. Right away, you might notice there's a, what might seem like a contradiction here. Back in chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So there he's saying, let other people see the good things that you're doing. And here he says, uh, don't do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. So what is it? Well, in chapter 5, Jesus encouraged us to do good things before men so that they would see us and then do what? Praise our Father in heaven. And what Jesus is warning us against in chapter 6 is this self-congratulatory pride where we're doing things to be seen by men. So the key distinction here is who's getting the glory. And if you're doing it to give yourself the glory, you shouldn't be doing it. But if you're doing it so that your Father may be glorified, then it's a good, good thing. And as with pretty much everything in the Sermon on the Mount, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. So when we give, and again, Jesus here assumes that we will give, we are not to announce it. We're not to say, hey, look at me, look how generous I am. Everybody look at me, the check is going in. No, we're to give to God in secret, not to be seen by men. And if, if that's how we give, we're told that we will be rewarded. So I think that the teaching here is actually very, very simple. Jesus, the, the Father rewards those who give to him with a right heart in secret. Now, if that's the teaching, it, it leaves me with a couple of questions. The first question is, why give it all? And we've talked about this before here, but I just want to spend a few minutes on it. Why give it all? Well, there's lots of reasons. And, and really, I think the, one of the best reasons is that we are to give because we're supposed to trust God with all of our money. It's not just that he has a claim on 10% of it. It's that really every good gift that we have comes from God. So I think that we should be looking at 100% of our money as, as money that we should be using to honor God, whether that's giving to church or to a missionary or whether that's you know, paying your bills or whatever it might be. We're to honor God with all of our money and giving is actually a great exercise in showing God that we honor him with our money. Um, also, we should give because we care about God's kingdom. Because we want the gospel to go forth and we want the poor to be taken care of. I hope that those two things, the spread of the gospel and taking care of the poor, I hope that those are two things that are on your heart. Those are two things that you want done. And I hope as such that you're giving towards those things. But I also hope that you don't feel any need to be congratulated for it. Also, we should give because God loves a cheerful giver. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So it, I love how it says there, God loves a cheerful giver. He's looking down from heaven and saying, I love it when these people give cheerfully. So again, our, our giving is a heart issue. Is it, is it part of our worship? That's what Brian said as we were passing around the offering plates today. Is it a heart attitude of wanting to worship God with your money? If so, it says God loves that kind of giver. And then one quick note on giving. We're told at least twice in the Bible that our giving should simply be in proportion to what we have. So if you only make $25,000 a year, you're, you're not expected to give as if you made $200,000. 2 Corinthians 8.12 tells us that the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So giving is between you and God as a way for you to honor God with your money. It's a spiritual discipline because in giving, we submit to him. We say, God, I would rather have you and your blessings 
than I would this money. And I think in doing so, our faith is strengthened. Okay, but then another question I have. If our giving is to be done in secret, why do we pass an offering plate at Cornerstone? Some churches have boxes in the back that you can just kind of discreetly slip your money into. And we actually considered doing that at Cornerstone when we moved into this new building. Uh, we had a discussion as a leadership team, and we eventually decided against it. And, and who knows, maybe in the future we'll do it. It, it might be a way to enhance our secret giving. Uh, but the reason that we decided to keep on passing the offering plate is because we wanted giving to be part of our worship. And, and not just part of our worship, but we wanted it to be something that we could actually teach our kids about as well. So that we include giving in our service, not just as something that we all do uh, on our own, but actually as something that we do together. But at the same point, I just want to encourage you to consider that we still want it to be private. We want it to be secret, as in, we don't want you looking around, what did, what did they give? Uh, and maybe that, you know, a couple of real simple things to do, maybe it means you just write out a check and put it face down, and, and, and nobody will know if you wrote out a check for two cents or for 20000 or whatever it is. Um, or you can put your offering in an envelope. And I would also like to say there are lots of good reasons to let the offering plate pass. Some of you maybe give monthly. So if you're sitting next to somebody and, and you just, you know, you're not trying to look but you notice that they didn't put anything in, just assume that they gave last week or that they were going to give in two weeks. So there's no reason for anybody to feel any shame in that. The reason we do it is because we want it to be part of our worship and we still do want you to be able to give in secret. And at Cornerstone, by the way, there are only two people who see your giving and I'm not one of them. So obviously somebody has to, see it. Somebody has to sign the check and write out the, de the excuse me, the deposit slip. Uh, and then we also have a second person to look at it for accountability reasons, which I think is just a wise thing to do. So I just want you to know that we, we don't make lists here about who's the highest giver. No. That's between you and God. A way for you to honor God in secret. Okay, let's move on to prayer now. Verses 5 through 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now just a quick note, I preached on this passage back in 2012 and 2011. Um, so my comments today on this passage are going to be a little bit shorter, but if you want to hear the longer version of it, it's on our website at cornerstonefergus.org as we put all of our sermons up on the website now. But again in this passage, Jesus assumes that we will pray. And just like in the last passage, our reason for praying should not be to be seen by men, but to honor God. 
So our prayer should be done with secret because God is there in the secret. It doesn't necessarily come out in, the, in some English translations here, but it says that God is in the secret. So when we go in the secret to pray, God is there with us and he hears us and we can be less distracted as we offer our prayers to him in the secret. Now, it's not that public prayer is wrong. In fact, I think that Jesus gave this prayer assuming that it would be uh, repeated in public together. But he's also teaching us here how we can honor God in private with our prayers. So just some quick application questions here. How is your private prayer life? Are you making time to pray when no one but God will see? Let me tell you, that would be an easy, easy part of our walk with God to just let slip by. But are you doing that? Are you seeking to honor God in the secret with your prayers? Your faith will be strengthened. Okay, then verse 7, Jesus teaches us that it's not the length of our prayers that matters to God. Let me give you an illustration here. Picture going to McDonald's and you're about to order and you you say to the, the lady there who's taking your order, I would like a Big Mac. You know that sandwich that has two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, on a sesame seed bun, and there's a little bun in the middle. There's one on the top, one on the bottom, and one in the middle. That is the sandwich that I would like. What what do you think the lady would say? Uh, I I knew what you meant when you said Big Mac. You didn't have to say all that. I think sometimes in our prayers, we feel like maybe God's going to forget to give us the cheese if we don't ask for it specifically. But the truth is we're not heard because there are many words. And actually it says here that our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. And I I love that about God. He loves to give us good things. And they don't come as a result of our magic words. We simply need to bring our hearts to God and talk to Him. That's what He wants from us is that intimate relationship where it's our heart being poured out to Him. Now, perhaps one of the results of this preaching is that you will realize that maybe some of your prayers can be shorter. Isn't that refreshing? I'm preaching on prayer, and I'm telling you that some of your, shorts, it, your prayers it might be better if they're shorter. Now, on the other hand, we do see examples of Jesus getting away and praying for a long time. So it, it could be that what you need to do sometimes is to get away and spend hours in prayer. But either way whether it's just a quick Big Mac prayer or hours in prayer, it's a heart issue. And are you going there to talk with God, to meet with Him, to honor Him? Okay, then in verses 9 to 13, Jesus teaches us to pray, and what a wonderful prayer this is. Isn't this great? Aren't Aren't we blessed that Jesus taught us how to pray? And I just want to point out a few things about this. Um, when Jesus here says, Hallowed be your name, I think he's teaching us to pray that God's name would be honored as holy in our hearts and in this world. I hope that's your heart's desire. I hope that that's not just some phrase that you say at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, but that you really do desire God's name to be honored in your life and in this world. Now, what we're really asking for here is for God's name to be made holy. That's what the words literally say for God's name to be made holy. And and I've often wondered what that means. That's kind of one of the more uh, tricky phrases in the Bible. Because isn't God already holy? 
So let me tell you what it doesn't mean, first off. It's not as if to say that God is only 98% holy and we need to give him that little boost so that he gets all the way up to No. God is already holy. We can't make him holy in that sense. Um, there's actually a couple other verses in the Bible. This is very helpful for me this week because I've often wondered, what does it mean? Hallowed be your name. And in my study this week, I found a couple other verses in the Bible that I think help us understand it. One of them is Isaiah 29:23, where it talks about keeping God's name holy in standing in awe of him. So this idea of, of keeping his name holy was followed up with this idea of standing in awe of him, of looking at him and marveling at him, recognizing him as the Holy One. And then 1 Peter 3.15 talks about setting apart Christ as holy in our hearts. Meaning that in our hearts we are to recognize that God is the Holy One and that we should be living our lives for Him. So we don't make God holy, rather we honor Him as holy. And and let me give you another illustration on this. Let's say that I have a missionary friend or a missionary family that's come to visit and I don't have room for them in my house, so I ask you if you would host them in your house. And, and I say to you, I would like for you to make them feel welcome. Well, on one hand, you can't make anybody feel anything. We don't have that sort of power over people to make them feel a certain way. But what you can do is you can show them that they are welcome. Now, if they show up and uh, you know, the, the heat is turned down to 45 degrees and there's no toilet paper on the roll... And, they might not feel very welcome, but if you have gone the extra mile to you know, stock the fridge and to, to write a note of welcome, they might feel much more welcome. And, and I think it's that way with God and us. There are things that we can do to show God that we are honoring him as holy. Things like praying and giving and fasting, as well as the other spiritual disciplines. Things that we can do to show him that he's holy. And we want to do these things even when no one else is watching. Okay, also in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to want what God wants. I love this part. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I I try every day to start off my day by saying this prayer, and hopefully it's not just a a vain repetition that I'm doing, although sometimes, truth be told, it probably has been that. But the reason I do that is because I want to start off my day by saying, God, I want what you want. I know that every one of us will be tempted throughout our day to live according to our own ways, to do what we do just for ourselves because we think that that's going to be better for us. So I love this part of the Lord's Prayer where we say, God, your will be done. Now, this one's really hard for us to live out. Like I said, every one of us struggles with wanting to do our own will and not God's will. You know what? That's exactly why we need to pray this prayer. Because we need that help. Because we don't have the strength in and of ourselves to live the life that God wants us to live. We need to submit to His will and follow Him. And Jesus is a perfect example of this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed for God's will to be done, knowing that He was about to head to the cross, and knowing that He didn't really want, as a a human being with nerve endings... He didn't want to be nailed to a cross and left there to die. And he actually asked the Father if that cup could pass from him. But what did he say right after that? Not my will, but yours be done. Three verses later, he said again, may your will be done. 
See, in prayer, we submit our will to God's will. And we say, God, please let it be your way and not my way. And, and think about the end of that phrase there. As it is in heaven. On earth, as it is in heaven. When we pray for God's will to be done, Jesus actually teaches us that we can pray for his will to be done like it is in heaven. How well do you think God's will is done in heaven? I, I would say perfectly would be an appropriate word. So we can pray for God's will to be done here. And, and what would God's will be? Well, there's certain things we know about his will, like he wants people to know him, he wants people to grow in their faith. So those are things that we can pray for. We can trust God in the praying. And we're also told in verse 11 to pray for our daily bread. Now, even if you have a lot of money in your bank account, I want you to know that it is still God who provides for you. And actually, that's one of the things that maybe some of us rich Americans need to remind ourselves of, is that it is, it is God who provides. We don't trust in our job. We don't trust in our government. We trust in God to take care of us. So this prayer is a good reminder that we, we actually need God to give us what we need. So we don't rely on ourselves. That's one of the things about the Lord's Prayer I think we can learn as well. It reminds us not to rely on self, but to submit to God. Isn't that the way that we should be living our whole life anyways? Recognizing God's power and recognizing that we need Him. And by the way, I think that that daily bread is both physical and spiritual provisions. So think about that. Uh, even if you might be tempted to think that you can provide physically for yourself because you got a lot of money, what about spiritually? Can we provide spiritually for ourselves? No. We need God to do that. Okay, and then verses 12 and then 14 through 15 teach us about forgiveness. Now I'm going to talk more about forgiveness when we get into communion in just a few minutes. But for right now, I just want you to know that God loves to forgive. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The message of the cross is love and forgiveness. Now there's lots of other messages in there. I mean, it's a, it's a huge topic. The cross is. But at the front of that list is this idea that God loves us and wants to forgive us. So think about that then. If that's God's heart for us, shouldn't we have that heart in forgiving others? We are to forgive others. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It also says, Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Because God loves to forgive, we should be people who are quick to extend forgiveness to others. And we will be wronged by others. There will be plenty of opportunity opportunities for you to practice this teaching in your life, probably even this week. But if we, have, we are people who have been forgiven by God, we should extend that forgiveness to others. Okay, then verse 13, we see that God is able to keep us from the evil one. We have an enemy who wants us to fall into temptation and to be harmed by evil. So when we pray not to be led into temptation, really what we're praying for is God's strength when we face those temptations. Praying that we would not fall into them. Now that means that we need to keep our focus on God. Because some of these temptations will be too strong for us to meet on our own. 
So we trust in him. So some application questions here at the end of this. Do your prayers sound like this? And I'm not just asking if you repeat this prayer, you know, a memorized prayer. I'm asking just in general, are you praying the way that Jesus taught us to pray? That God's name would be made holy. That his will, not yours, would be done. Are you praying for strength to avoid temptation? Do you trust in yourself or in God to provide for you? Are you asking for what God wants or just simply for what you want? I've said this before here when I've taught on prayer, but if we were to write out every single prayer that you prayed over the last month and put them in two categories, one category is the stuff that you prayed for because you wanted, and the other category is the stuff that you prayed for because you wanted to honor God with it, which list would be longer? Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to ask for stuff. In fact, the Bible tells us that we can ask for stuff. God loves us and loves to give, give good things to us. But shouldn't we also be praying for those things that we know that God wants? More and more, that's what I want our prayers to be like. It's, God, I know this is what you want for me, so would you please do it. I know this is what you want for the people around me, so I pray to you for them. And then kids. I, you know, I, I know a lot of the kids are out there in children's church, but kids, i got a question for you. Do you pray on your own? Uh, you know... Hopefully your parents are teaching you to pray and hopefully you do that you know, when you do your devotions at home or when you have your meals at home. But kids, do you ever go off by yourself and just talk to God? That's one of the best things that you can do to strengthen your faith, to go to God just by yourself in the secret and talk to him. So there's a little homework assignment for you kids this week. Try to spend some time every day just by yourself. You don't even have to tell anybody. Well, maybe you should... Tell your mom you're going to your room or something, but uh, just pray to God in secret. Just talk to Him. Why do we pray? We pray because we want our hearts to line up with God's. Prayer is a heart issue. We want Him to have His way with our hearts. So we are to go to Him in prayer. It's really about worshiping God and submitting to Him. Praying like Jesus taught us to pray. Not so that other people will know us as super spiritual, but so that our, our faith can be strengthened. Okay, and then let's move on to fasting now. Oftentimes prayer and fasting are linked in the Bible, and here they are as well. So fasting, uh, verses 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now again here, Jesus assumes that we will fast, saying when you fast. And again, we're told not to do it like the hypocrites. They do it to be seen by men. But when we fast, we're to do it in secret, even going the extra steps to make it look like we're not fasting. And then God, who sees what is done in secret, will reward us. So fasting is something that's to be done between us and God. But a question then, does God really expect us to fast? Now obviously, I don't know what you all do in secret. That's kind of the definition of the word secret, right? I don't know what you do in secret, and maybe you're great at this. But my opinion, and this is purely opinion, 
just from talking to evangelicals over the years, I don't think we're great at this. So should we do it? Should we fast? The simple answer is yes. Here's why. Jesus fasted. Remember during his temptation in the desert in chapter 4 here? He also said that his followers would fast after he left the earth. That's in chapter 9. He tells us here how to fast. In the book of Acts, twice we see the church fasting together. Fasting is a way to humble ourselves before God and show him that we want him more than we want food. In fasting, we forgo food in order to focus more intently on God. So that's just a quick definition of fasting. We fast to show God that we're serious about seeking his will. A couple of reasons that I've fasted in the past. One, if I have a real, a real big decision to make, sometimes I'll just say, God, I really want to hear from you, so I'm just going to ratchet up my prayers a little bit and, and fast. And then also sometimes I've fasted when I realize that I've been doing something in my own power and I want God's power instead. It's just kind of a, a way for me to humble myself before God and say, God, I'm sorry for the way I've been doing this and I want to do this your way. Fasting is a way to remind ourselves that we need God's food. What's God's food? I'll ask that question. Somebody shout out. What does the Bible say is God's food? His word. Yep, that's one that I was thinking. There's another one that I was thinking as well. His will. Uh, In John 6, Jesus calls himself bread from heaven. So when when we forego physical food, one of the reasons that we can do it is because we're saying, God, I want your food. I want your will. I want your word to be done in my life. I want your son. That's the food that I want to feast on during this fast. Now just a few tips for fasting. If you fast... Take that time that you would normally spend eating and use it in prayer. It's just a a great way to spend some extra time with God. When you fast, humble yourself before God and seek his will. And again, we do that in secret. We say, God, I want what you want. And then practically speaking, there are different ways to fast, although I, I prefer the one where you cut out food completely. You can still have water, but you cut out food. And there can be different lengths of fast. It might be that you just skip one meal, or maybe you go a full 24-hour period, or perhaps even longer. Uh, although I would say this, it might be wise to talk to your doctor before fasting. Um, I think that there are some medical reasons not to fast sometimes. Although if you're just skipping one meal, I don't think you probably need to call your doctor on that one. But uh, Although maybe you do. Maybe if you're a diabetic, maybe you can talk to your doctor about what that means. But, but fasting is a spiritual discipline and we can be strengthened by it. And God says there are rewards in doing it. So my application here is very simple. If you are physically able, fast. Give it a try. And here's my conclusion for the whole thing. These are heart issues. Hopefully we are people who want to honor God and seek Him. Hopefully we don't live our lives just to make ourselves look good. But we want to honor him. So these things of giving and praying and fasting are things that we can do to be strengthened in our walk with God. And God does reward. Now I had a question this week. What are those rewards? Well, one of the rewards is obviously in heaven. 
In the next passage we look at, we're going to actually take a little break for Easter, about a three-week break, but when we get back to the rest of Matthew 6, we're going to see treasures in heaven. There are things we can do now to store up treasures in heaven. But I think that there are rewards here on earth as well. And I think one of the rewards we get from doing these things with the right heart attitude is that we become more like Christ. Think about that. Jesus helped the needy. Jesus prayed. Jesus fasted. When we do those things with the right heart attitude, we become more like him. Isn't that the goal of our lives? To become more like him? So as we do these things with the right heart attitude, we actually grow in our walk with God. And that should be a reward enough for us. Another reward is that God hears and answers our prayers. And obviously that might not happen exactly the way that we expect. But God does hear our prayers. So, there are very real rewards. Not the rewards of people noticing us as being more spiritual. That's a pretty lame reward. But the rewards of a closer walk with God. The rewards of honoring God by what we do in the secret. And God will strengthen you. He will strengthen you if you seek him like this. So let's seek to honor him in all we do. Let's seek to honor him in our giving. Giving so that the gospel can be spread and that the poor can be taken care of. Let's honor him in our prayers, going to him in the secret, asking for his will to be done and his name to be made holy. And let's honor him with fasting, showing that we want him more than we want food. Let's honor God in all we do with our hearts. Would you pray with me? And I'm going to say a prayer, and then uh, at the end I'm going to lead us in a time of saying the Lord's Prayer together. Father, we thank you for this teaching. And God, we know that we are sometimes people who do things with the wrong motive, so please forgive us for that. But also, God, we pray for your help, that you would show us how to do these things with the right heart attitude, that we can honor you by what we do, even in secret, that you would make us more like Christ as we give, as we pray, and as we fast. God, you are worthy to receive glory, and I pray that you would receive glory by what we do. Now we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.